Welcome to the Blueprint for California Advocates podcast. My name is Christina Boss Hamilton. I am the founder of KBH Advocacy based in beautiful Sacramento, California. This is a podcast for people who are building a world where communities have more political power than corporations. Let's start the show. First, a quick message. Create genuine connections with your biggest supporters using text. Subtext is an award-winning texting platform that connects hosts with subscribers free from the chaos of social media and the clutter of email. Learn more by going to joinsubtext.com. Using build tracking software shouldn't be rocket science. We know that your time is valuable. Fast Democracy is a streamlined and easy-to-use build tracker that saves you time and allows you to focus on what really matters, advocating for policy. Visit fastdemocracy.com to learn more, and don't forget to use the promo code BLUEPRINT. If you like the content of this podcast, consider joining my text community. I promise no spam. All you need to do is text 916-507-2144. All of my socials and the web address are in the show notes. Thank you. I am on with Aquilina Soriano Versosa. I'm so happy to have you on, Aki. I would love if you took a moment to introduce yourself. Sure. Well, it's great to be here with you, Christina. Thank you. Um, so I'm Aquilina Soriano Versosa, but everyone calls me Aki. I'm the executive director of the Filipino Workers Center. We're a worker center that was formed in 1997, and I was one of the founders. I actually was a child actress, and that's what I thought I was going to do. I didn't um, know that. That's, <laughs> that's really here. cool. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, in Hollywood. But when I went to UCLA, that's when I got to realize that there were different issues in the world happening. And my connection was a lot around racism and suddenly understanding a lot of different things that happened in my life, as well as the context that my parents were also mm-hmm. living in. So I started getting involved in a lot of different issues from police abuse to environmental racism, to the worker issues mm-hmm. at the border, maquiladoras, and just started getting out there and getting experience and kind of immersing myself. And then I ended up going to, um, the Philippines for a year. And I'd never been to the Philippines. I'm, I got involved in the National Democratic Movement and with students who are organizing on campus, got to talk to workers, striking, you know, at the Century Tuna factory. Wow. And then also wow. went out to the countryside where I also learned how to uh, plant rice and, and learn the issues of the farmers and then overseas workers because a large percentage of the population is actually working abroad in the Philippines. Labor is one of the biggest exports. I came back here in 1997 and that's when we started Filipino Workers Center. Brought all of that experience back with me, learning and understanding more the context of immigrant workers from the Philippines here. But we just started, there wasn't really a lot of organizations organizing workers who are working in low-wage industries. 
in the Filipino. We started immersing with Filipino restaurants and Filipino grocery stores. Okay. From there, we started meeting a lot of, there's a lot of Filipino parties that we went to. <laughs> we started mm-hmm. meeting a lot of folks and quickly realized that there's like a huge amount of Filipino home care workers. How do you go about organizing workers that are not in one central place that are probably pretty hard to find because they're in people's homes. Absolutely. Those have been all the challenges that we face. In addition, a lot of them have immigration issues, so they're not necessarily wanting to be found (laughs) sometimes. That's why with worker centers and with PwC, it's like multiple strategies together. We don't have like one central place to go to, one employment site, like you said, to find all the workers. Mm -hmm. Instead, what we um, do is we create different programs that also bring them to us. So integrating more services that are really critical to their specific situation helps us actually build connections to a lot of workers. How we started was actually after we did these Filipino parties, like part of just like immersing with the workers and the community, Mm -hmm we identified that there were apartment buildings that were like 90 to 100% Filipino workers Mm. and usually Mm -hmm. multiple people, crowded (laughs) living conditions. What we did is we first went around and did surveys, but we couldn't just knock on people's doors and have them welcome us. What we did was actually food distribution on a regular basis so that we could establish ourselves like they get to know us and so when we knocked on the doors after doing food distribution on a consistent basis then people like we're like oh we're from pwc the ones who bring the food and they're like oh well come in you've established trust with them right i love that right that's right and and that's how we started Mm -hmm. but then having a lot of in-depth talks with folks um, finding so many home care workers working in individual homes. Then we got to know more about like what were their top issues and concerns. Immigration is definitely one of them. Access to health care, jobs also, right. um, and a lot of problems around working conditions. So we started to create programs that met those kind of urgent needs that they had so that we started working with some folks and then it was easy to actually build a, a culture saying reach out to more people bring them into pwc as we're engaging them with services it's not just about service right it's yeah. service in service of organizing <laughs> so, that's right I, um, while you're talking i'm like service to organizing like that's so brilliant okay so then we're able to build a base where we build trust you know build relationships and start inviting them to join meetings because it's also then about having them start to connect what's happening to them Mm -hmm. and some of their urgent issues that they're facing to these bigger issues, right? Mm -hmm. And seeing Mm -hmm. how it's important for them to get involved in advocacy, you Mm -hmm. know, how it's important for them to be a part of building a really big, strong base too. And it was even about recognizing the dignity of the work that they were doing. So that's been a big transformation. This didn't happen overnight. That um, basic building of like the core of our base took years to do. How long did it take to get to a place where you were like, okay, I think we've established ourselves here. Mm -hmm. Well, 2001 is when we started our official dues paying membership. 
Mm-hmm. We believe in dues and, and members owning our organization also, mm-hmm. even though because of their working conditions, we aren't able to bring in dues the size that unions do, but it's like a start to, to having them really investing the organization, having ownership, ownership and right. being engaged in terms of their leadership in the organization as well and seeing their own agency. That's so great. So much of what you're saying, a lot of organizing union members, you keep them invested in their organization through service, through providing services that they're not getting anywhere else. Exactly. And it's also Mm -hmm. like, how is your organization relevant on an ongoing basis to our base and not just in times of big campaigns, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or or crisis. That's much easier for people to like see right away. Yes, but, yes, and yeah. it's also about, we've been trying to figure out in terms of services, how you actually deliver the services is really important as well, because you don't want to create this kind of charity model mm-hmm, where people mm-hmm. are, yeah, people we're coming in and we're giving up and yeah, it's like right. how through the process people are engaged as well. And so we've definitely been really leaning into mutual aid where people are seeing we all have needs at different times but it's all of us pitching in together that's Mm going to make it happen so Mm -hmm. like creating those opportunities for members to not only receive services but ways that they can be like concretely involved I feel like that model needs to just be replicated everywhere when it comes to workers who are not organized and who are hard to organize for that same reason. Did you get grant funding during this time? Yeah, so a majority of our funding has come from private philanthropy first. And then as we've been growing, we've been able to grow our membership dues. We have a goal of trying to build that as a really good, solid piece of our income, but that's still a work in progress. Yeah, this is the element that a lot of us, when we start being advocates, we don't think about, right? Like, oh, we need a building. <laughs> we need a place to congregate. We need phones so we can call people. So tell me about the connection with the National Domestic Worker Coalition, which has gotten a lot of media attention in the last couple of years for their work around the care economy. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, PwC, we didn't realize that we were organizing domestic workers. <laughs> we were like, they're home care workers or caregivers. Yeah. And as we started talking to other worker centers who were organizing nannies and house cleaners, you know, it's the same problems. It's like, yeah. oh, we're, we are domestic workers, actually. <laughs> so <laughs> in 2005, 2006, that's when both the California Domestic Worker Coalition and the National Domestic Workers Alliance started coming together. And here in California, we had this opportunity with Cindy Montoya. She's an assemblywoman here in in San Fernando Valley. Mm -hmm. Her mom was a domestic worker and she really wanted to do something. Sherla had been working with them. So it was an opportunity to actually jump into legislative work. I think Chirla was the only group that had any experience in Mm. that at Mm -hmm. the time. All Mm -hmm. of our other organizations were pretty small and hadn't had that experience. And that actually catalyzed the formation of the coalition here Mm. in California. We we hopped in Chirla's van together with folks from Idepska and drove up to San Francisco. I had a one-year-old at the time who came along for the trip. 
And it was just using whatever resources we had. We didn't have grants or funding specifically to do this, but we saw the opportunity, you know, to actually lift visibility. And so as we came together with Mujeres Unidas y Activas, La Colectiva, all the groups up in the Bay Area, that was the founding of the coalition. Mm. And as we did that legislative campaign, we realized like, Domestic workers have no visibility with legislators, practically. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah. domestic workers, do you mean domestic violence? We're like, no, we're talking about <laughs> nannies, house cleaners, yeah, yeah, yeah. home care workers. Yeah. And they're like, oh, like it just was totally outside their knowledge. So a lot of it was about like, we had to figure out, okay, what is our goal here? We're not sure if we're going to win this, but we mm-hmm. do have a champion. So our goals really became around, one, how do we just start to lift visibility and start to build some knowledge of what's actually happening behind closed doors? Right. And at the same time, how are we building leadership? How are we building our members? How are we engaging um, our members to be a part of this and learn what it takes Mm -hmm. to actually win changes to the laws. So it was a whole learning experience for us. And we got all the way to the governor's desk. And that was Governor Schwarzenegger back then. Mm, Oh, he must have loved that. I'm (laughs) sure. So veto, of course. Uh, And so we basically like realized, okay, the political context is not there for Mm -hmm. us to actually be able to win. Mm -hmm. We also learned that we needed to build a bigger coalition of folks, other stakeholders, individuals with disabilities and senior groups that, you know, around home care, that's where we found the biggest uh, pushback, right? We saw a lot of the need to shift the work from being seen as servants to being Mm. seen as workers. Mm. Some of the very early narrative shift that needed to happen, not only here in California, but, you know, as the National Alliance also got built. Mm-hmm. And your coalition includes employer organizations as well, right? Now it does. Yes, we have uh, hand in hand the domestic employers organization, and there are other disability rights organizations that are very much central to the coalition as well. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's alliance building. That's co- po- partnership that is necessary to make anything happen. Right? No one group can, group can do it by themselves. It has to be done in coalition, right? That's right. And so it took, and it didn't happen overnight Mm. also. So then we had to do a lot of intentional relationship building. The model that you've built in California and nationally is outstanding for how to unite different stakeholders around a vision and a goal that uplifts everyone and keeping that going without your usual implosions and all sorts of things that tend to happen to coalitions. And what a testament to how hard this work is changing narratives. You've got so many groups now involved and it's still like pushing uh, a rock up a mountain. The work just never stops. The strength of our coalition is also based on the strength of all the organizations and the work that they're doing, that we're all doing with workers themselves, because our models are really embedded in terms of building leadership of the workers, like 
and bringing them into the organization mm. as well. Also, then they start to understand the complexities of the legislative process, mm -hmm. like how you can't ever win 100% of what you want, you know, right, so right. it's been like a whole process of understanding when it's strategic to compromise when it's not. And also the first bill that went to Governor Schwarzenegger's mm -hmm. office actually excluded home care workers because there was so much controversy around it around that workforce specifically. Okay. Okay. And at that time, our workers said, well, we'd rather have uh, something one mm. for workers versus at this point, if yeah. it's not possible for us to be yeah. included, yeah. we, we want to move it forward that way. But then later on, when it was actually Amiano's bill, mm -hmm. and we were moving it then, we had a discussion as a coalition. And our members said, if it has to be that way, we would rather us win as a coalition versus not but then the other organization said no at this point we're strong enough that's not acceptable and the other group said we're not going to support this unless it includes all of us that was like the kind of yeah. you know, solidarity oh and that's so brilliant that was really beautiful to see and growth and political sophistication to know yeah yeah that's yeah. awesome so what's the relationship between the California coalition and the national one at this point? A lot of the groups in California uh, were really foundational anchor groups of the national alliance. And so the national alliance began to grow. And at the beginning, PwC wasn't actually super engaged in the leadership. We were definitely active part. But we were just at a, a certain point where we we're still trying to build a solid enough foundation of our own mm -hmm. organized space and our own organization. So it took us a couple of years before we were able to really then engage with the national. But there's other groups who were able to do that and see then that the national alliance could really complement and help the growth of all of the organizations. So from the very beginning, it wasn't seen as just a policy, yeah. uh, but also in terms of moving campaigns that way, but it was seen like, how can this national formation really support the member organizations to grow and strengthen? And in terms of all of the things we're doing, base building, campaigns, mm. policy enforcement, you know, mm -hmm. all of that. And so one was resources. And, you know, iGen is an amazing uh, fundraiser and national funding that our individual organizations would never be able to attract. Wow, that's you know, cute. Yeah. Was a, you know, NDWA was able to secure those. Mm. Then it was like a balance of like one, being able to know that we do need to get funds to the member organizations, but also not starve the National Alliance itself. Yeah. We also needed yeah. the resources to build that out. It plays a key role in terms of communications and media. Mm -hmm. So where most of our organizations did not have like our own comm staff and stuff like that, mm -hmm. uh, NDWA was able to then come in and support wow. and then lift visibility what's happening on the local level by wow. bringing in the comm staff of the Alliance and create opportunities for building relationships with funders. We also built a cohort of directors, cohort of members, cohort organizers, 
where we're all sharing what we're doing. So instead of just growing and experimenting in silos, then we're able to share. There's so many times that like, after talking with other organizations, like, yes, that makes so much sense. To be clear, you're talking about from other states, right? Yes, yes, totally. Well, from this state and from other states too, and just thinking about what they're doing, how they're thinking about doing it, the different experiences. It just like that sharing of the knowledge both in terms of strategy, what folks are doing, but also just the nuts and bolts of like, what is your pay scale? How are you dealing with HR issues? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. We, we've supported each other in so many different ways. And the National Alliance has also created a space where we can think strategically together, where we can like come together, take a step back mm. and get a larger view where they bring together the larger context of the national and what's Mm. happening at the different locals Mm -hmm. so that then we can think about movement strategies too like overall about what we're doing what is our role in terms of like preserving our democracy what is our role (laughs) voting rights all that stuff right all of that I know the coalition played a role in Georgia in the senate elections there absolutely what an example of how to scale mobilizing and worker organizing to to really just find each other and build each other up together it's just brilliant I I just have so much respect for the coalition, especially you all in California, because I've worked with you and I just, it means so much to me. There's, that's not perfect. There's always, you know, of course. conflicts that will come up, but, of course, um, yeah. but it's one of the most healthiest coalitions and that I've been in where there's overall just real genuine solidarity mm-hmm. with each other. And mm-hmm. it's also, I think, the leadership that really came together to start it really modeled that and, yeah. you know, trying to have real generosity of spirit and mm. where, where we see each other's yeah. success really tied up in with each other. Mm-hmm. And so having that kind of attitude, I think has been really critical. I'm really glad you said that. I'm glad you said that because we should be clear that none of this is easy and we're no. humans and we get into sticky situations and disagreements and that's normal and it's about being okay that there's conflict and recognizing out of conflict comes progress what what is it a crisis is opportunity and so we will embrace it and as long as we all are genuine about reaching the same goal we are okay with it as hard as it is Mm -hmm. then the next level which i think you guys are at now is the development of the c4 And the further sophistication of your political work, which to me is like gold standard. This is where we need everybody to get to. And I'd love to hear where you guys are with that. Mm -hmm. When we first started PwC, it was like the furthest thing from our minds. Um, But as we progressed, you know, one was we weren't doing policy work first. We were on the ground organizing just with, with workers at work sites. And then it's like, we really need to do some policy work because this policy is messed up and getting in the way of us actually making changes on the ground. So mm-hmm. then we got involved in policy work, you know, uh, overtime for home care workers and nannies. And, and then it's like, you know what, it really matters, like who's governing. So we 
saw the need and saw other worker centers also evolving in terms of doing C4 electoral work. First, we developed our C3 Filipino Voter Empowerment Project, mm-hmm. where we started to get experience of building a field campaigns, phone banking, doing work around specific ballot initiatives, and at the same time, really seeing it as a leadership development mm-hmm. project as well as building our political power and governing power. Because it also gave a chance for workers to even get outside of their industry and thinking just workers' rights. Mm Because then there's like, start to really make these connections around all of these different issues to their lives. And Mm -hmm. then get a lot Mm -hmm. of practice talking to people about it. And then when you talk to legislators and you have like a field program where you're doing Mm -hmm. electoral work, like, oh, really? (laughs) You know, it's like, it means something different. No, it does. It shows you're serious and you're building and you want power. And and that's it. That's how you do it. You build from the ground up. Again, it's like, if you're not playing the game, you're getting played, period. And these workers, we need to start playing the game across the board. All of these workers. Yes. So now it's like, yeah, it's really important. We got to build up the capacity so that we can also do the C4 work and Mm -hmm. especially where we see it as really critically vital, being able to have that kind of voice in the election. And then that's another level of political power and influence Mm -hmm. that you're building through C4 work specifically, Mm -hmm. right? And it it really, like doing legislative work, it really, really makes a difference of who who you're talking to, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Who's who's actually sitting in that position. Mm -hmm. And so we've seen how much good can be done by really good legislators. Champions, yes, totally. Mm -hmm. And how much you know, how much bad can happen if there's bad folks yeah, in office. Yeah. So that's why we just saw like this, this is another evolution that we really need to be a part of that we need to be able to have mm-hmm. this as one of our strategies, one of our tools for actually creating change. NDWA established, we established our C4 Care in Action, let's see, around I think we're about four years old now, Karen Action. Okay. And so it's specifically around helping to support women of color mm-hmm. into office. And so, yeah, so just seeing what we've been able to do with Karen Action. Absolutely. So that's the next evolution. We just established Filipino Action Center. Last year, the governor recall election was our first real work. With Congratulations. That. And then this year, we're mm-hmm. establishing more of the infrastructure and, you know, we'll be getting into endorsements and things like that. Wow. But so we're, we're figuring all of that out. So it's, that's, it, you know, it's, it's new to us, but it's pretty exciting. It's, yeah, it's yeah. exciting. Oh, yeah. You're forging a path. You're forging a path, how it's done, showing others how it's done. I, I'm so impressed with you guys, really. We are running out of time, unfortunately. So do you have any last words of advice or tips, tricks, lessons learned, anything that you would impart on the other advocates listening to the Mm -hmm. podcast? In terms of like advocacy and winning policy, I think it's really this balance. Like winning does matter. We need to win, but we also need to make sure that our goals are not just about winning the policy, but Mm -hmm. how through the campaign and through the wins that we're actually building real leadership, real base, 
you know, for sustainability and for enforcement of whatever we're passing. It has to be with that lens of overall power building. So it might not always be the easy thing to do, but we need to have that kind of long view if we're going to make real substantial and systemic changes. And the process is almost just as important as the end result. Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. Well, Aki, I win too. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's always important, right? Right. I am so happy you came on and shared your wisdom and your time, and just uh, again hold you guys in the highest esteem. And I'm thrilled to to share the model and the story of PwC, the coalition, all the member orgs are just just examples of fierce women leaders and it's just brilliant and I love it. So thank you. Well, thank you so much, Christina. It's so great to be a part of this. And I'm just so appreciative to, you know, to work with great people like you and the whole domestic worker movement. I'm so proud and appreciative and grateful. Thank you. If you like the content of this podcast, consider joining my text community. I promise no spam. All you need to do is text 916-507-2144. All of my socials and the web address are in the show notes. Thank you.